0: Welcome to the Chack Insider Podcast. Hey, this is a great episode. I sat down with Brian and Rachel Van Clay and talked to them about their experience here at Community Heights Church and also what God has done in their lives and how they've learned and grown through some of the things that they've gone through. So sit back, uh, get some popcorn, and enjoy this conversation with the Van Clays. Brian and Rachel Van Clay are here on the Check Insider podcast. Welcome, guys! Thank you, Hello. Pastor Jeff. You're the first couple to come in. Maybe, maybe I can get a marital spat going here yeah. during this episode. <laughs> we well, we can try it. So, how long have you been coming to Community Heights? Now, I'm new, right? I'm new, so I don't know this stuff. How long? How long have you been attending Community Heights? And what was it? that caused you to walk through the doors of this place.
1: Yeah. So I I started attending here. I moved to Newton from Northwest Iowa, went to school in Orange City where you came from, Pastor Jeff, and was from Northwest Iowa, moved to Newton and then started attending here in 1999. And then we started attending as a couple in 2000. Right, Rachel, after you finished. I
2: moved down here after I got done with college and we got married and this is the only church that we've, gone to since then
1: yeah and the reason we came here is we were invited by carolyn rasmussen um what brought me to town was the wrestling magazine and we did printing work through Riggs printing uptown and carolyn's son-in-law george owns that business and she said oh you've got to join us we go to a wonderful church and god is doing a lot of just incredible things so we um visited, and I visited at first. I think it was just, just me. I don't remember if Rachel was down visiting one of those weekends, but visited and really liked it and have been attending ever ever since. So I guess coming up on 20 years. Good 18 years. You're old enough to vote mm-hmm.
0: in terms of time, time spent here. <laughs> so 18 years, so you've seen some good, bad, and ugly in mm-hmm. church life, right? Every church goes through these things. What's kept you here for 18 years? It's one thing to you know to come eighteen years ago, but but then to stay, a lot of people don't last that long in a church.
1: So we have loved Community Heights, and particularly have have stayed here because of just how much we see God doing in people's lives, in our lives. What what God has done through the ministry of this church, through uh, kids ministries, adults ministries, small group, um, Sunday morning worship services, and preaching how. God has been using this church body to help us grow, obviously, but also just in what we've seen God do in people's lives in this church, how people have been transformed to see them grow up in in the Lord and to see kids come to know Jesus, to see adults uh, saved here and just Holy Spirit level things going on in people's lives because of a true daily relationship with Jesus, I, I think is one of the big things that's... Kept us here and that we love so much about Community Heights.
2: I would say also that we kind of grew up in our faith here. We both moved here out of college, Brian first, and then um, I followed a couple of years later when I graduated from college. And prior to that time, it, you know, we both grew up in a church up in northwest Iowa. And um, it wasn't until we even moved away from college because we both went to college close to home, that our faith became more of our own, that we actually grew in um, just that personal relationship with Christ and with that knowledge of having an infilling of the Holy Spirit and where our our Christian walk became our own and, and became more personal and more real um, and not just, well, we do this because it's what our parents taught us to do. And another thing I would say that really has always drawn us to community heights and just one of the things that we love about community heights is the fact that people are real as we grew up probably in an area where, where you in, in my high school class, I knew the one family that did not go to church in my public school class and masks were very popular and everyone went to church and sat there but it didn't necessarily mean anything Um, and so the fact that people are real about their struggles real about um, their triumphs and just share life together in a genuine way has been a huge draw all along through all of the years that we've been here
0: there's some classic things that churches get, get caught up in and, and slip up in, and I, I'm not going to go down the list of them, but it's a couple of them that most churches slip up in, I've realized that, that that hasn't happened here at Community Heights. That's one of them, is the fact that people here are very, they're very loving, they're very compassionate, forgiving, um, and if you come to Community Heights and you got baggage, people help you carry your bags Mm -hmm. and they don't they don't shun you or push you out and i think that's i mean that's a sign of the spirit of god in people and the love that only comes from god so i I really like that when i was in a youth pastor the single best thing i ever did to create spiritual growth in kids was to take them on a missions trip And we went on the missions trips. We went on were were almost three weeks. They were 17, 18, 19 days. So they were significant. They were Mm -hmm. pretty major, but those were the single greatest thing I ever did to see life change happen in the kids. So, well, you guys have been here for 18 years. What's the one or two, you know, single most significant thing that impacted your life while you've been here?
2: I would say years ago when I was, I was probably in grad school, then we were here only for maybe two to three years at that point, Brian had done an elders in training class. There was a series of those classes offered back when we were in the old church yet. Mm -hmm. And um, they also had, I'm not sure if they had even more than one. Um, If so, it was maybe only a couple of kind of the elders' wives in training class, and it was um, a, we, we went through, it wasn't just a Bible study, it, we studied some theology, we we just dove deep into different topics and, and different scriptures, and that was a definite learning and growing experience.
0: How old were you then?
2: I I would have been, how old do
0: you think? You were in your 20s, weren't you? yeah. And An elder in training. Were you an elder at the time, Brian?
2: It was before you were an elder.
1: Certainly, but okay. I'm trying to remember the year. Yeah, it would, it would have been right there about 10 years ago or 11.
2: I'd say 15. Okay, 15 years ago. <laughs>
1: but how about the relationships in the
0: group as you study together? Was that significant or was it more significant, the content of what you were learning?
2: I would say a, a little bit of both, but more the content. Okay. Yeah.
0: So it, it was the content. And at that time you were also in a position where you were wanting to learn more and grow spiritually. Right. So the key in a church is that when people are in a position to grow spiritually, what is there in the church being offered to them? Right. Mm-hmm. So when they're really hungry, is there any food on the table? So that's for me, that's for anyone else listening Mm -hmm. who goes to Community Heights, that's for our elders. And that's just the thing that we should be thinking about as we move into the future, because, hey, we've got people in nursing homes and homebound that were elders and Sunday school teachers and nursery workers and greeters and musicians Mm -hmm. and here 20, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. But we've also got kids in the nursery that are coming up. And we've got a whole community of people that, you know, over time, people are going to walk in here. They're going to need to grow. They're going to need to learn. They're going to be in Mm -hmm. the position where you were, where it's their time, that inflection point where they're going to grow spiritually. Mm -hmm. And as a church, are we ready to meet that need and to build into their life? Mm -hmm. You mentioned, Rachel, that you were in grad school. Yep. You have a graduate degree i do tell us about it
2: well it's um I went from undergraduate college at Northwestern to Des Moines University um to become a physical therapist
0: physical therapist mm-hmm. are you pra- are you practicing physical therapy right now
2: I am on a a very part time basis okay. um, I do a weekend rotation at skiff
0: okay. Very cool. I yeah. I think I've heard that, but it wasn't top of mind for me. And Brian, are you as educated as your wife? I'm
1: not. I'm not. All she right, was dangerously I like this. close to me having to call her doctor after <laughs> her education. But no, I I got my undergraduate degree at Northwestern College, as I referenced in Orange City, a business major with a journalism minor, uh, a and love and passion for sports, and... I've done the same job nearly here now, coming up on 20 years, as a publisher of a wrestling magazine, so
0: that's where God has me. So is this like the WWE, or is it USA, what is this?
1: Yeah, amateur, amateur or what people would refer to as real wrestling, the college and high school (laughs) College and high school wrestling. And Olympic levels, so all levels of the real stuff. Were you a wrestler? Yes. And you enjoyed it? Yep, high school and couple years in college.
0: And so this magazine, are you the editor? Publisher. So you're the publisher. Do you have an editor?
1: We do have a full-time editor. He lives over in Iowa City, and he comes over to Newton uh, one day a week or one day every couple weeks. So as the publisher, you do a
0: lot of the business stuff of the magazine then?
1: Yeah, correct. So the publisher in a small magazine would be responsible for all the advertising sales, marketing, and promotional decisions. I'm also the magazine's copy editor, uh, so I'm the last one to read all the pages. And we actually publish a second wrestling magazine as well. That's a bi-monthly. So between the two publications, Hmm. there's 18 magazines a year. And then all of the business side of it. What's the circulation? Great question. So the bi monthly next week goes to 160,000 homes. It's okay. 10,000 more than they've ever mailed to in the past. All right. Um, our magazine goes to between print and digital about 7,500 and 8,000.
0: Okay. That's very cool. So it might, man, it must be nice to just be upwardly mobile, successful. Young couple, not a care in the world. You guys have had it so easy, <laughs> but you guys have had uh, you guys have had your share of uh, challenges too. Mm-hmm. And isn't it crazy in life that we we grow when we go through tough times? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, sports, right? If I'm going to stay in this chair, I'm not going to be a very good athlete, but I'm going to be comfortable. But to do anything, you've got to exert, and you've got to go through some hardship. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. There's a story apparently about your two youngest children, mm-hmm. Victoria they're, and Trevor. They're twins, mm-hmm. Victoria and Trevor, and they're eight years old.
2: Not quite seven and a yeah, half. They're still seven. Close, okay, close
0: that's seven. a great age. Mm-hmm. I love seven-year-olds. That's like the perfect age. If if the humans were state of perfection. They'd be never, they'd never move out of seven years old. So tell me the story. Tell me the story about there.
2: Well, we, um, had, we have a 13 year old daughter and then we have Victoria and Trevor who are seven. And, um, after our 13 year old Callie was born, um, we tried for a number of years to have more children and, um, just had, um, a number of disappointing things happen. And so when we found out we were pregnant and found out we were pregnant with Victoria and Trevor, we were so thankful and overjoyed, but probably a little cautious um, because we had done a lot to get to that that point. Um, the pregnancy was, was going well um, for the first, not quite half of it. Um, and then at... 20, 23 weeks, six days, so just shy of 24 weeks, um, my water broke. And so we then um, went to Des Moines, and um, then I spent five weeks on bed rest in Des Moines. And then Victoria and Trevor were born. They were at a point where they would no longer start stop labor at that time. Um, and so,
0: so if your water breaks, you can still carry the babies for weeks after that
2: when they're that early they will allow it yep typically if they're if it's closer to due date they wouldn't um but when they're that early because when we went into the um to the emergency room the doctor actually said um if this was a single birth that they, they might have a chance if they were born today. However, since it was twins, he questioned oh, their viability. Right. So we um, we sent out lots of prayer chain messages here at Community Heights and at our parents' churches, our hometown churches, and had a network of people um, storming the gates of heaven on, on the behalf of our children. And God blessed us with five more weeks um, with them to to grow while I was on bed rest. And then they were in the NICU for nine weeks.
0: What was it like being on bed rest for five weeks? Cause you don't look like a docile person to me.
2: You know, it, um, we would have done anything if it meant healthy deliveries. And, um, it surprisingly now I can say it went pretty fast. Um, we were just so Excited for every day that passed because um, we knew how important it was for the health of our children. And the first day there, Pastor John actually happened to be in visiting us, which was a God timing thing um, when the doctor came in and read through a laundry list of all of the things that if Victoria and Trevor had been born that that first day in the hospital, all of the things that could and or would be wrong with them. So I think when you're faced with such odds, you do what you need to do. And um, I thankfully, am not unaccustomed to hospital settings. And so I would just do things like tell myself, okay, this will make me a better physical therapist, or, well, I've never, you know, had this experience before, so hopefully I never had it again. But um.
0: Does your wife have a, a positive attitude generally?
1: Yes, for sure. And I, I think, as Rachel alluded to and said about the perspective at that time, every single day was a victory and an answer to prayer. So hmm. not that the third week was easier than the second or the fourth week was easier than the third, but she... She had one job to do, and she was ready and eager to do it, and she knew that every additional day meant potentially life or death at that stage. I mean, as she said, they questioned viability at 24 weeks, and the doctor said 20, a 26-week premature baby is a whole lot different than 24, right, and a 28-week right. premature mm. baby is a whole lot different than 26, so it it was certainly an undertaking and she was a trooper and by God's grace and as she said the prayers of hundreds uh she did wonderful we we're so proud of her i'm so proud of her and she kept a wonderful attitude and kept her eyes focused on the lord and grew greatly in her faith during that time not that there weren't hard times or scary times or that there weren't still some roller coaster moments but it was just she was very sad and hard on herself when she went into labor at 29 weeks. She At that point, we were committed. We were wanting to go all the way, Thir- yeah. 37 weeks. Like, we're right, we're right. doing this. And, in fact, she was within a day or two of, of them sending her back to Newton. Now, she would have been then on bed rest at home, and then Callie, um, Callie was only sick. So that, that would have been a really hard hard scenario at home so we god god had it worked out and so
0: you were in des moines that whole time right and were you brian did you work or were you there every day how'd that work
2: he was there most I days think, yeah, um, i think i was there i don't i don't remember that it if it was every day but for sure most days um and yeah he
1: kept working kept and
2: working and we had great friends from church who took care of Callie because at that time I was doing the weekend rotation also and home with Callie. So had great family and friends pitch in and help out.
0: So nine weeks in, in the neonatal yeah. intensive care. Uh, what was that like?
2: You know, they tell you to expect it to be a roller coaster and we had such a a piece from God. And also we're a little naive because even though I said I was fairly comfortable, obviously with hospital settings, the NICU is like a whole different world unto itself. Hmm. Um, and so we were the maybe overly optimistic. I don't know, like pretty sure like this is all going to go smooth. Um, and there's going to be no trouble, things like that. Um, But when your babies are that little, um, and it did all over overall go smoothly, but there's those daily disappointments of there was one day in particular where, where, like, everything we heard was negative. First one went on the respirator, then the other one, and, and then like spinal tap on one and then spinal tap on the other. And it was just like thing after thing of, um things kept getting worse it seemed one day in particular um but again you you get to know the other parents that are there a little bit and you hear of other stories going on and and there were also much worse things happening in other rooms so
1: i think one of the neatest things Jeff, that we remember most through both the five weeks of bed rest and the nine weeks in the NICU is we had a, we were encouraged to set up a caring bridge site where we could put up specific daily prayer requests and updates. And that was just that God really used that. To minister to us, and and through that to minister to other people in regards to how to pray for things specifically, and it was just such a, a momentum-building, God-working time. You know, through those five weeks when when Rachel's amniotic fluid started growing in the womb, we were asking people pray that that her amniotic fluid, either, in one of the two sacks broke and, and it started the, they were measuring those levels every couple of days and for quite some time it was getting better and better and better mm. and, and it was healing itself and and then even once the twins got into the NICU as Rachel said there was low points but just very specific things. pray for weight gain, pray for better oxygen numbers, pray for this, pray for that where we could quickly update hundreds of people. hundreds of people were praying. They'd come on there and write, I'm praying this verse for you guys. I'm believing in faith and it was just it was just a beautiful time of, of this church body rallying around us in love and support, and then people we didn't even know from friends of friends of friends. Uh, Rachel's mom had a coworker who started, started attending church again because she was so encouraged by the story and was hmm. praying and just got excited being a part of it um, because of hearing about it through those kind of things.
0: When my son was in the hospital, I just remember being so thankful. I remember writing this in an email one time, so thankful for every word uttered in prayer for mm-hmm. my kid. Mm -hmm. You know, you just desire Uh, that spiritual strength and sustenance.
2: We had multiple times while I was on bed rest that we would, um, that the contractions would start again and, um, we would call our prayer chain and like I said, our, our parents churches prayer chain and. To see within minutes of those prayer chains going out, the contractions would would subside again, and to see that immediate answer to prayer is is huge.
0: And it happened too many times to think Uh-oh. maybe it was just a
2: coincidence. Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: That's so cool. And so, let me back up just a little bit. You talked about a number of years when you wanted another child but you mm-hmm. couldn't get another child mm-hmm. um, talk about that for a minute because mm-hmm. I my daughter has been through that mm-hmm. and as parents you know we just rode that that fun house ride with mm-hmm. her wishing that it would stop and she mm-hmm. could get off you know at some mm-hmm. point and and realistically it wasn't that many years for her. You guys were actually much longer. That's discouraging. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it not? I mean, people that are listening, I'm sure, have gone through that. Or maybe they've got a family member that is dealing with it, mm-hmm. but they don't understand it themselves. Because we don't really understand something until we go through it. Right. Just to tell me how that was. And, and it's going to be different for both of you. I mean... You're the mom, right? right? And you right. want to bring another little life into the world, mm-hmm. but it, it's hard.
2: Right. It is hard. Um, we had a number of miscarriages between Callie and Victoria and Trevor, and then as well as since them. For me overall, um, it was harder initially. And then um, with the subsequent times, it seemed to get easier because... You had been through it before, and and especially I guess even more so after Victoria and Trevor of just feeling like okay, if 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 this is what God has for us, um, you know, when it was just Callie, I guess at first we said, well, if 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 this is all God has for us, because we looked into adoption also, and we had time frames where we went where we weren't getting pregnant, and then time frames that you know we. That that my body wasn't sustaining the pregnancies, um, and we said if 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 God just has in store for us that we just raised Callie, we think he hit a grand slam. And then after <laughs> Victoria and Trevor said, you know, if if God has planned three kids for us, we think he has given us the best kids in the world. And so again, I guess trying to just keep things in perspective and not get focused in on the hardship or the bad because it can be it can be a monthly disappointment when you're so desiring to have more children and I and for sure we had times where that was our focus and it was trying and it was um, disheartening and and you have that sense of failure but I think um, if you get stuck in that then that's where the real trouble is, I think.
0: So so a woman experiences a sense of failure over mm-hmm. something that she really has no control over.
2: For sure. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So just take a minute, Rachel, and speak to the, to the young lady or the young mom mm-hmm. listening who is going through that right now. Mm-hmm. How, how can you give them hope?
2: You know, I had um, one gal from our church, say there's there's ministry to happen in every season of your life Um, and while we were in that waiting period between Callie and Victoria and Trevor she talked about you have an opportunity to minister here out of pain and out of unknown endings and when the ending isn't how you wanted it to be man just there are there was a long period of time where I just felt like God was just giving us a yellow light, like on a stoplight. Like we weren't getting a, a red light. You should stop trying this or a green light. You should go through this adoption agency that you just looked into, but we were just getting a yellow light for a long time. And that was frustrating. It seemed like that yellow light was, was for years. Um, and this had mentioned that sometimes God just wants us to take a first step of faith, even if we're not certain it's the right direction, just try and he will lead you to, um, what that direction is and where you need to go and be. But it was, um, it was definitely a, a time frame of feeling like I just had to cling to the promises that I knew were true from the Bible and focus on that. And, um, Again, try to. Even though it's not something that you ever don't think of when you're in that time frame, but um, if if you're having a bad day, it's okay. But you have to refocus and and remember um, the promises that God gives us that we are His, we are chosen, that our children are His, um, that that He knows exactly what His plan is, and um, it. Tell you and learn over and over all the time that it's not always how i expect it to be or how i think would be the best but now looking back i think oh, i would not give up what we currently have um and and this was the road that got us here even though it wasn't always smooth
0: would you trade the process
2: oh, there are parts of it that I wouldn't want to experience again. Um, but, but, but
0: you see the value. Yeah, that I it, see the value. That it, uh, the old Saint sure. James word, that it wrought in your life, you know, for that sure. it produced.
2: Yep. And I have to believe that the children that we lost are waiting for us in heaven. And whether that's scriptural or biblical or even correct or not, it gives me comfort.
0: You know, the Bible is at worst vague on that Mm -hmm. but there's so much about children in the new testament and so much about jesus heart for the kids and for children Mm -hmm. that i think you're right on on that Mm -hmm. the bible is is somewhat vague on that but uh i have great hope for Mm -hmm. that as well and and i I actually you try as a pastor not to say things that aren't biblical that aren't you know for sure are true Mm -hmm. well i can't point you to a chapter and verse where it says it definitively Boy, i sure think it's true based right. on the overwhelming evidence of the stories of of god's attitude toward the least of these right. and toward children mm-hmm. so uh brian your your daughter callie uh she had an issue with her back and how old was she when you first realized that there could be a
1: problem there five or six rachel saw oh, that it. long ago yeah yeah so Rachel saw it because of her physical therapy training. She saw it already in kindergarten and you know started researching it and new knew some before that, but started researching it then already and and knew uncovered the detail that if you see it already that early in kids, the likelihood of surgery coming someday was exceptionally high, like eighty ninety percent chance. Right, that surgery would be needed. So that was something we knew she had for a long, long time. And then it was when she had a physical, what, like a fifth grader?
2: Yeah, somewhere between third and fifth grade, I brought it up to her physician because I knew beforehand it would just be periodic x-rays and even at that point it would just be periodic x-rays but i knew it was getting worse because i could see it and i knew we needed to have a baseline x-ray at that point and start following this process so she has scoliosis which is a, a curvature of the spine
1: so yeah it was another trial where god taught us to depend greatly on him and um towards the end, rely greatly on others. It wasn't something we talked a lot about to hardly anybody at the beginning. Not that it was, you know, not that we were... There was no reason There to. was no reason to. Right. And, and we just right. knew it wouldn't be helpful for her if, if yep. people started looking at her differently or asking her about it as a young kid. And, and we were praying and believing in faith that God would, would do a miracle and just work it out. So... Um, but again it it certainly you know similar to the situations with the twins became another health situation where we had to pull together as a couple pull together as a as a family uh rely on our church family for prayer and and ultimately depend on God that his plan him allowing us to go through difficult things would would bring about glory to him and perspective that was deeper than having to walk that difficult road um, prior to surgery. So uh, we did eventually just have surgery. Uh, We did. Callie did on the 26th of October, uh, three months ago from right now. We're taping this in late January, and it went wonderfully well. She had a spinal fusion surgery over in Iowa City, as many people know, and we're a part of praying for, and it went beautifully well. There's two uh, metal rods in her back, probably 18 inches long, that run up alongside her spine that corrected the curvature. And then metal screws that anchor that in place that they uh, put bone chips around. That's the where the spinal fusion comes in, is they, they put bone chips all the way around this hardware. And then over this six-month um, waiting period that she's in, th- that bone all fuses together into a, a mostly normal, straight spine—a spine curved like you would want it to be
0: curved. So when she goes to the airport and she goes through security and she steps up into the transporter and they tell her to put her hands up over her head,
2: no, she doesn't set off the alarms.
0: <laughs> she, oh, she nope. doesn't.
2: No, nope, she doesn't. Oh, that's cool. Nope. Yep.
0: So, nope. but they're but they're gonna see something
2: yeah if she would go through the x-ray unit yeah yeah yeah
0: so how's she doing she she seems to be real positive about everything right
2: she's she's doing very well like brian said um, the the surgery went better than we could have ever anticipated it's an extremely painful surgery Um, any back surgery is extremely painful even Um, for adults, but then, um, thinking of your child going through this, um, we were trying to prepare her for pain, like, like she has never experienced before with, with this surgery. And again, um, we talked with her even, even in the hospital about, I feel like we were Kind of putting God in this box of between my physical therapy knowledge of, you know, this is what's going to happen. Here's how surgery goes. I hadn't seen a child after back surgery, but I've seen adults immediately post-op after back surgeries. And it is a tough position to be in. Um, And we were trying to prepare her for this. And she um, had told us that she wanted her prayer line message to be that the surgery and recovery would be quick and simple. Quick and quick, quick and easy, excuse me. And I it's was a, it's a
0: good American attitude, isn't yeah, it? Yeah.
2: I was driving at the time when she said that back from her pre op appointment and I said, Well, maybe we can choose some more realistic words because we we know it's going to be a hard surgery and we know there's a six month recovery period for the vertebrae in your back to fuse um, and with lots of restrictions during this period Um, and she said then she said smooth she said how about a smooth recovery (laughs) i'm like there's a good broad definition to that word okay yeah and then um when we we prayed at church with a, a small group of people um, that night. So the night before surgery, we had um, met here. It happened to be a Wednesday night. And so we pulled a small group aside and, um, and we told that story and um, we um, had one of the people there who prayed and, and said in his prayer, you know, God is the God of the impossible. So I'm going to pray for quick and easy and smooth and, and, like I was saying earlier we talked to her in the hospital, I feel like in trying to prepare her for this, I put God in a box and yet he chose to honor her faith because even a couple months before the surgery she was telling us it's not gonna be that bad because my fear was really large at that point and there was a while I could not talk with her about the surgery without crying. And she would tell us it's not going to be that bad. And even when Brian um, talked with a few, um, there's there's three to four of these surgeries a week in Iowa City, and he talked with a few of the parents there. And um, the one dad in particular said when his daughter was getting up after surgery for the first time with the physical therapist, that it was all that this dad could do to not make them stop because their daughter was in so much pain and an acquaintance of ours um, whose daughter has had the surgery a couple weeks before Callie. Um, again, just the amount of pain was unreal and way more than what they expected. And for sure, Callie had some times where the pain was pretty intense, but we expected it to be like that all the time. And so for that to be just like one overnight where the pain was getting more intense and then pretty intense a couple different times was again you know we we count that a miracle and and all
0: answers to prayer so it was for sure smooth and maybe even a little quick and easy
2: yeah i don't know (laughs) if she'd say quick right now maybe the recovery part of not being able to do anything not being able to bend and move the way she normally would maybe that hasn't seemed so quick but um but
0: easier than you guys thought
2: oh for sure Yep.
0: that's awesome Mm
2: -hmm.
0: you know You guys have not had a child that was just born, everything was fine, and at 15 or 16 everything's still fine. Mm -hmm. I had a 25-year-old, a 22-year-old, a 21-year-old, and a 16-year-old that had never been an overnight in a hospital Mm -hmm. until my son was involved in that accident. And then I started to understand what people go through. I've been to the hospital countless times with parents, with kids for mm-hmm. various things. I never really felt it. You saw maybe some earlier you were talking started talking about your kid and mm-hmm. I gotta keep from crying mm-hmm. because now having gone through it, so going through struggle really builds the empathy mm-hmm. and the sympathy capacity In a person. So you guys are different because of the hardships and the struggles you've been through. And you're deeper, you're stronger, you're wiser, you're better, you're better Mm -hmm. because of it. And you bring something to the Community Heights family now. Nobody signs up for it, right? You don't you want to take that course. But if since you had to take the course, I always say you might as well get the credit for it, right? And then being able be able to employ the benefits of it as part of the family church family. So tell me something happy, something good. Now tell me what you guys are involved in, what ministries you're involved in, either at, you know officially at the church or just as a believer, right? Because our ministry doesn't stop at the at the property edge our ministry is is all the time
1: we have a lot of joy in our lives we have a great time as a family we we laugh a lot we've been blessed to be able to do a lot of really fun things we love our church family we are surrounded by neighbors and extended family and church family and family outside of community heights that are just awesome, wonderful people that love Jesus and, and others that are good people that don't, that we just sometimes feel like we have a a buffet around us of just God's blessings that we thank him for, just just relationships at church that we cherish from uh, people like Tom and Kim Vanderlaan and Josh and Teresa Wermager that were in our first small group here either shortly after we were married or Maybe just before when, anyway, around that time, you know, couples that we've seen their kids grow up that we've grown up with spiritually, um, other friends uh, in town, coworkers that are also friends, um, that just we just feel so blessed in so many ways. Um, ministries in in church we're both active on Wednesday nights. I. Lead a little group of first grade boys that Trevor's a part of, and and Rachel has a small group of of um, junior high girls. Callie's not a part of her group, but a group of of uh, eighth grade girls. And we've been very involved in small groups in the past. We're not in one right right now, but we just we just counted a great blessing to be a part of an awesome church. We just really. Love Community Heights, and we love this church. Uh, I'm very blessed. I love my job, a very unique job that allows me to experience my passion and work with a lot of great people. I've been to six straight Olympic Games. That's kind of one of those little odd trivia questions. Wow. That's, mm-hmm. uh, that's,
0: so when you say, now I don't understand Olympic Games because you got the winter and the summer. So are there Olympic Games every two years? There, yeah. So, now, Have you been to six straight summer winters? Summer. Or? Just summer, six
1: straight summer games with wrestling. So ninety six in Atlanta, two thousand in Sydney was our honeymoon. Then two thousand four Athens, Greece, two thousand eight Beijing, China, two thousand twelve London, and then last summer down to Rio de Janeiro. Um, so our honeymoon was to the Olympics in Australia. And anyway, we've just we've been blessed, Jeff. We've had despite some of these certainly very very hard difficult times that we've had to struggle through together and rely on God together, we're just, we we're very blessed. Our kids just bring us a tremendous amount of joy and, and they, they each of them loves the Lord and has accepted Jesus as Savior, so certainly at the top of our list of things that have gone well where we've seen God producing fruit, are it, it's it is a special thing to see your kids grow in the Lord and have a relationship with Jesus that becomes their own where they start spending time in prayer and spending time in the Word and and talking about God in real day-to-day ways that makes a difference in their lives. So,
0: Okay, this is the last question. I'm going to put you on the spot here. You can only name one, one individual or one couple. I know there's going to be more than that. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to single out one because then you're not picking on other people. Mm-hmm. But hey, we're going to do for the one what we can't do for everybody. Name an octogenarian in the church. That means somebody over the age of 80 who's had a significant positive impact on your lives, either an individual or a couple?
2: Do they have to be still living? Nope. Okay. I would say for both of us, we would pick Dick Bergeson.
0: Dick Bergeson. Mm-hmm. Man, I've heard the name. I've never met the man. Mm-hmm. Tell me about him.
2: He and Brian did a Bible study together for how many years?
1: Probably 10 years, I suppose.
2: Yeah. suppose, yeah. And um, we would get together with him occasionally, not on any type of regular basis, but we would make a point of, you know, even if it was our whole family going over to pick raspberries in his backyard or whatnot um, to um, include our kids. And um, yeah, he, through the Bible study that Brian had with him, there was just so much, much godliness demonstrated there and so many nuggets of wisdom um, passed on that Brian and our marriage and our family benefited from.
0: How old was Dick when he went to heaven?
1: For some reason, 83 sticks in my mind. 82 mm-hmm. or 3. I'm Rachel's okay. shaking her head. I Was that just recently, not within the past year? Yeah, he died in the summer of, of 2016. Okay. Yeah.
0: I just missed him
1: by about a year. Yeah, he's a tremendous follower of Jesus, humble, wonderful servant, gracious man, and a pillar in this church for decades, he and his wife, Lola. I love it. I love it. So I'm trying to meet the
0: octogenarians who can't get to church, Mm -hmm. to introduce myself to them, to get to know them, to let them know that they may be sitting somewhere and not able to get to church anymore, but mm-hmm. they have been, just go down the list, Sunday school teachers, elders, you know, nursery, mm-hmm. on and on, um, to let them know that they're not forgotten at Community Heights, you know, that, and their investment of passion and giftedness and time and love and heart over the years is reaping today a return on their investment where lives are being changed today because of what they did for some decades and decades ago. Someday, God willing, if you are living in this area and live long enough, people will talk about you that way. They'll talk about that Rachel and Brian, the Van Clays and the difference you made in their lives. And some of these uh, junior hires and some of these kids, uh, that's going to be cool. So thank you for um, investing yourselves, not just your presence, not just your attendance, but you give of your very heart to our church and to all of us. And uh, we really appreciate that. So thank you. And thank you for being on the Chack Insider podcast. Thanks,
1: Pastor Jeff. It was a lot of fun
0: there you have it. What a great conversation. I got to know Brian and Rachel and their family so much better because again being new, a lot of this stuff I didn't know. So so that was awesome. You know, it reminds me that God never promised to deliver us from suffering, but he promised to walk with us through suffering. And that's that's the part of redemption that is so phenomenal that even though we've got to go through junk in life, somehow God has a way of taking the junk and, and turning it into treasure in our lives. And, you know, so much, so much of the stuff that comes at us in life, uh, suffering, trial, pain, uh, agony, anguish, sometimes grief, you know, it's brought on by sin in a broken world. You know, this God's not the author of this stuff. But God says, I'll walk with you through it, And together, we'll make good come of it. And that's what I call redemption. So, Brian and Rachel, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And we'll see you next time on the Jack Insider Podcast. And remember, now, having listened, you are a Jack Insider.